Welcome to Mutant or Minority. It's only a few days left until the national election, not to mention the senatorial elections and the elections for the House of Representatives. Please vote. If you're interested in volunteering, please go to swingleft.org. If you're interested in donating, go to Act Blue. And if you just want to make sure that you find the best way to vote for yourself, please go to IWillVote.com. There's so many things on the ballot this year. Things like sexism, racism, anti-Semitism, immigration, toxic masculinity, healthcare, Islamophobia, homophobia, and not to mention COVID-19, or just the pure embarrassment we feel from having this person as our president. When we hit the streets and we protest and we march for the Women's March or for Black Lives Matter or to support immigration or in support of climate change legislation, that's the reaction. Voting is the main action. Get out and vote. Stay up. My name is Jared Birdsong, also known as Morocco Baggins, first black man in the Shire. With me today is um, my homeboy Frank Escamilla. And Frank's going to say hello right now. Frankie, what's up, dude? What's up, family? How you doing? Glad to be here. Let's get this going. All right. Also with me is my man Jared Sams, all the way from Van Nuys, holding it down. What's going on, Jared? Hello, everyone. Is my Is my voice super deep and sexy right now? No. Oh, okay. Well... Okay, well, hi. <laughs> hi. Now hi. Uh, I want to thank everyone for coming to listen to our podcast today, and hopefully um, what the entertainment we are able to deliver is uh, both edifying and enjoyable. And we're at that, we're going to start off with um, my man Frankie. And uh, Frankie, why don't you tell us what's, um, what's going on in your life, what you're reading, any shows you're watching, or anything you're catching up on? Yeah, you know, life is good, you know, still in quarantine. Uh you know, have a lot of time to catch up on a lot of things. I'm I'm a I'm a huge horror fan, so October's, you know, October's the month that we go crazy. And um, so I, I started reading The Shining, Stephen King's The Shining. That's what I'm I'm reading right now, and I'm enjoying it. Um, I heard before in an interview, a couple of interviews, that Stephen King wasn't really happy with the adaptation uh, of the movie adaptation of The Shining. And I never knew why, because it's such an amazing film. But um, but after you know getting into this book, I'm starting to see how there could be an entirely different version that could come onto the screen. Like there's so much more. Uh, the characters go so much more in depth, and uh, it's not just like freaky. You can see like you can see the darkness coming, as opposed to to expecting to be there already. So it's really good. I'm enjoying it. And then um, show-wise, I just finished The Haunting of Bly Manor, which was uh, which was the second season in The Haunting series on Netflix. Um, it's not a continuation of the first show, but it's really cool. It's one of, it's like um it's kind of like American Horror Story where they where they use the same actors every season, tell a different story. Um, and it's not as I wouldn't say it's it says like jump scary terrifying as as the first season was 
but it's definitely a really good story, a really good, I, I would say a really good classic ghost story um, slash romance ghost story. So I enjoy it. I recommend it highly. Yeah, what are you gonna say? Yo, um, I was, yeah, I was gonna ask. Uh, I guess how does it hold up compared to other sort of like ghost stories? Like, is it is it worth? Like, you're 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 our resident horror guy. Is this uh, something that I should check out? I think so. I mean, if you're a fan of like the old Vincent Price stuff, like the House on Haunted Hill and Vincent Price stuff, as or like Universe saw that film, um, the others. It was a ghost story that came out, I think, in the late 90s. Right. Nicole Kidman, right? Nicole Kidman, yeah, which yeah, is a yeah. really good, really good ghost story. It's, it's kind of in that vein. Okay. Uh, but it definitely weigh, it weighs on the, the tragic romance uh, element. So I know you like tragedy and romance, Jared. Slide up your alley. And uh, yeah, I recommend that you enjoy it. Uh, tragedy and romance is on my business cards. So, I mean, it makes sense to me. <laughs> Tragic romantic. Yeah, that's me, man. That's me. It's for hire if you need it. Hey, Jared and I are planning a podcast strictly on Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> I fuck with that. I watch that shit. You know, I listen to that shit. It'd be hella deep. Something interesting about three young, like, well, not young, but three dudes of like color just doing that kind of shit. Like, just white, <laughs> white. Like, you know, just, you know, love stories and tragic love stories. There might be something interesting about that there. Anyways, um, well, this probably doesn't fit in genre, but I am reading Rage by Bob Woodward. My mom loves sending these stuff. And, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a, I am nearly as much of a politics fanatic as I am for sci-fi and comic books. But, uh, yeah, as soon as, like, these big titles come out, like, when, um, a Fire and Fury came out by Michael Wolf. You know, my mom bought it the first day and sent it to me. And the same thing with this. As soon as Bob Woodward's book dropped, she sent that to me. The funny thing about it is, I'm not that big a Woodward fan. I like uh, Bernstein a little bit more. I think he's um, uh, less arrogant about his access, his journalistic access. But I will say this about the book rage. It's nuts. You can't, you know, it's one, it goes back to one of those things you talk about um, when it comes to sci-fi and horror or fantasy. You know, it's the idea that, um, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. Because the crap that goes on in these books that you would think that'd be in Donald Trump's White House, you just couldn't imagine it. You know what I'm saying? You, you couldn't put that in a book and have anyone remotely believe that it's plausible. But yeah, and this cat just continues to do it. And you know, it sounds legit. You know, um, my man Woodward has, has the tapes. So um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, but that's basically where I'm at. In terms of um, the shows I'm watching, I haven't watched the last episode of Lovecraft. I don't even know if that's dropped yet. Man. It's on um, uh, Boys. That was dope. I got to say, it's, it's hard to imagine. We all know how sequels go. But the second season of Boys was maybe twice as good as the first season of Boys. I mean, it was definitely an impressive series. The subtleties in the direction and writing are, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, it's hard to think that sometimes um, that directors and producers are particularly adept, you know, doing an adaptation of um, comic book movies and reaching some of the, um, the human struggle that's involved. And I, I think The Boys does it. It's really good. Have you guys seen it? Not yet. 
not yet. I, but it's it's one of those shows that I want to like sit down and just watch and enjoy because I like the comics a lot. Um, but but I so because I've been so busy that I just haven't had the time to sit down and just you know, just watch that show. But uh, but I really want to. I heard it's great. Heard great things about it. Couldn't get into it immediately, so it's one of those shows that I got to come back to in about like four months. Yeah, try to sit with it if you can, Frank. I think that you'll you'll dig, especially by the time you get to the second season. But even in the first season, if you can, try to sit with it. I, I you know, um, I'll digress, and we can laugh about that later on. Maybe try to do an episode on it if um, if time permits. Anyways, you guys down to uh, move into the danger room? Um, well, I would like to say what I am reading and watching, if that's at all cool. You know, you just forget about me. You just for, you just forget about your boy, your boy Jared. I'm in total brain fog today, man. I am so sorry, Jared. Did you, you, know did you confuse happened? me for you? Is that what happened? Is that, yeah, is that you know, racism? I, I think that's racist. <laughs> all black people. No, all Jared's look alike. Yeah, all Jared's look alike. They all sound alike. They all like the same shit anyway, right? <laughs> I that, I, my point was that the Jared who matters had already said his piece. <laughs> I mean, I mean, oddly, enough, oddly enough, they all smell alike. That's, that's, that <laughs> is the truest thing that's been said. Del Taco, French fries, and cool water cologne. <laughs> you know what the funny thing about that is, is that Frankie hasn't been in my presence or Jared Sam's presence in like nine, ten months. So the fact that he still remembers our smell tells you how strong it is. No, it, it comes across the, the 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 Skype call. You know what I mean? Like he could just smell it through the screen. That's how that's how potent that shit is, man. I mean, I would like to say what I'm watching and reading, if that's all right with you guys. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to fuck that up. You know what I mean? Can I? <laughs> no. Um. Uh. Well, keeping with um, with like the theme of the episode, even. Um, uh, I've been watching some spooky shit. Um. I, I, I uh, watching and reading spooky stuff. Um. Reading a comic called Immortal Hulk. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys heard of that. It's uh, Marvel's newest take on uh, the Hulk. Um, it's great. I don't know. I love it. And like, because it started off very sort of like, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, spooky. You know, like the Hulk is just is just essentially like when the when Bruce Banner dies, he the Hulk comes out kind of thing, and and the Hulk comes out at night sort of thing, like like turning the Hulk from like this kind of tortured superhero back into the monster book that it was always. Um, but as the book progressed, it's just doing so much with like, with race, it's doing so much with class, it's doing so much with the idea of memory and the idea of how we see ourselves um, and how and how that kind of like, how that kind of molds um, not only who we are, but but the sort of the sins we commit, you know, like, like it, it's 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 like some deep shit, man. Like it, it it goes for it, right, in ways that is surprising, you know. Um, uh, horror, I think, should be surprising, and and this is definitely some of it. Who's the writer? Uh, the writer is a guy named Al Ewing, uh, who is like he's weird, man. Like he's a British dude, white dude, British guy. Um, but he wrote one of my favorite Avengers runs and which I call pretty much the black Avengers. Like it, it was like, it was like the, the Puerto Rican power man, uh, blue Marvel, uh, you know, uh, spectrum, AKA, uh, Monica Rambeau, you know, it was, it was like all these Avengers. It was like the X-Men had a run where it was, it was X-Men book, but it was all 
female X-Men. And it was like, and they need to call it Lady X-Men, right? Because because the X in X-Men, women are the best characters anyway. So, right? So when you got Storm and you know Jean Grey and uh, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh Jubilee and uh, Psylocke, uh, you know, when you got enough of those characters, at some point you're just like, oh, that's just a heavy hitter team. That's just a team of X Men who are dope, and they're having to be women. Same thing with this Avengers run. It was just like, oh, here's just a bunch of people who uh, who are just dope Avengers who happen to be people of color. Um, so yeah, his name's Al Ewing. He's very he's very good. He's been writing for Marvel for a bit. He's really tapped into the whole Marvel sort of uh, continuity. But he does it in ways that feel fresh, that feel original. Uh, I would definitely look at his stuff uh, if you're looking for some like cool uh, Marvel stuff to get into. That is very what's I'm looking for is um, is just like easy to get into, right? It, it's just it's just easy and fun and 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 compelling. Uh, Al Ewing is the, is 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 a really uh, great writer for that, um, and. Uh, what I'm watching, essentially, is kind of a twofer. Uh, I'm catching up on stuff. So, like, uh, finally watched all of Black Mirror. Finally watched uh, a lot of the uh, the CBS All Access Twilight Zone series. Um, and Black Mirror is definitely probably the better of the two series, you know? Like, there's less of it. And Black Mirror is better at, like, at just telling those sort of, like, parable stories that, you know, you just love. That, you know, that's, that's kind of the... Uh, the the formula the code for that those kind of stories right it's a parable that happens to be about sci-fi but it's about people um so they both of them do the same thing black mirror probably does a little bit better but what i like about the twilight zone is that maybe they go a little too hard in this direction but they're very like like we're, we're talking before in a previous conversation about like how horror is about perspective right it's about it's and a lot of times the perspective for horror is what we expect, right? It's like this kind of like Anglo-Saxon, straight white male perspective of like, what is scary kind of thing. But what I like about the way Twilight Zone approaches it is very much is like, this is what's scary from the perspective of like a black mother, right? There's an episode where Sina Latham is a mother who is going on a road trip with her son, who's she's taking him to college or whatever. And there's a cop who's chasing him and she has this video camera and the, and, and the cop keeps on killing her son. But whenever she pushes rewind on the camera, it rewinds it to the point where the son's still alive, right? And so she's tr this black mother is trying to find ways to keep her, her black son alive where the cops don't just straight up just murder him. But it's like this thing where it's also playing with the idea of like, eventuality right like like fatalism right like like your black son is destined to get killed by the police right like 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 you can't control it and the fate and the world itself is almost bending itself to make that happen she's trying to find ways to solve it so this is one of the examples one of the stories where it's just like it's a little on the nose right but i mean like but it's it's interesting seeing that because again you don't really you don't typically see a horror from that perspective so um but yeah yeah that's couple of things that I'm, I'm fucking with. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Sometimes a lot of times when um, stories tend to be kind of obvious, uh, that kind of can throw me off a little bit, but that sounds like a really cool idea. I, I gotta check that out. I haven't watched any of the, um, the Twilight Zone series. The Black Mirror series I watched, um, did you guys happen to see that episode with um, where it's Anthony Mackie and the team from uh, Candy, the upcoming Candyman where they're, they became video game characters? You see that? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. 
Dude, that was that was a great episode. I did not see that coming. I was like, "Holy shit, this is crazy!" <laughs> yeah, that was a great. I episode. Don't like yeah, the, the first time I saw Black Mirror, it was recommended to me, and I saw the one, um, the one where the kid, where the where the young dude was on the internet, and then someone starts to black, or it feels like they're blackmailing them, and. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that one. And, that, and they always have a twist at the end. And I was so pissed at the twist because it had me feeling uh, sympathy and empathy for, for the character. And then the twist was so horrifying. Uh, I was so pissed at this show that I didn't watch it for like two months after. Because I was like, you ain't going to do that to me. And then every single episode that I would watch, uh, it was, it's, really, it's a really good show, you know, yeah. because it does that. But I also wanted to say that that that's what's necessary right now, right? I mean, I'm I'm tired of these remakes, and 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 it's because they're continu they they're continually trying to tell stories uh, that scare their a white audience, right? Um, you know, they're trying, and so they run they they feel like they're running out of ideas, uh, so they keep making these remakes that are horrible instead of instead of delving into the perspective of people from different ethnicities from different backgrounds you know that that people can relate to right it's the same way like growing up you know there weren't a lot of latino shows or mexican shows or you know um comedies on television you know and so the closest thing we had were were to watch you know the, the black experience because it's not that different right it's different but it's not that different you know so that's what we uh yeah it's necessary man i want to see now i want to see this twilight zone because it sounds like it it's uh, it's pushing that in that direction. And, and let's not. I'm gonna get ahead of myself. It, there's, there's a lot of flaws in this show. You know, they don't they don't nail it all the time. That's for sure. But um, but I, I think they it does feel like they go for it in in, in a lot of the episodes. That idea in my head, that Jerry oh, yeah. putting every bit of his reputation on the line for this. I idea. am I am off the show. If you guys don't like, it. if you watch Twilight Zone and and it's trash, then I'm off the show. Then I, I I am going to just yeah just bow out, apologize to everyone, and never be seen again. Uh, just to remind everybody, Jared was a supporter of uh, the Rise of Skywalker. So Which Jared, take that, Jared Sams. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, I was. Actually, I was. Skywalker. So take that into consideration. When taking his recommendations, see this is this is the fake news bullshit that my president talks about all the time. You know what I mean? Just fake news bullshit. But whatever, let's go, let's move. <laughs> Russia, Russia, Russia. It's always the same. Hey guys, um, it's all bullshit. There it is. Hey, real quick, I, I want to um, review the Daily Dose real quick with you guys, uh, just to see um, look at some of uh, current news stories. The, um, the Mary Sue put out a story about Wonder Woman is a gay icon, even though DC has never, or the DCEU, is not something that they've ever really leaned into. I think because the, the notion that their mascara is all ladies, you know, I don't want to say that that, you know, basically feed into any stereotypes that, that Wonder Woman and their mascara is, is um, somehow a gay allegory, uh, positively speaking. Jared, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I just want to real fast just bridge that a little bit. Just say that, you know, we have Jared uh, Birdsong. He does this amazing job of updating our mutantminority.com website with news every day. We have a thing called the Daily Dose 
where not only can you from the website, you can only find our podcast, but you can find these news articles. And he's listed them all out. And it's a bunch of interesting stuff that taps into just the, the nerd BIPOC zeitgeist kind of thing uh, that we're checking out. And he's sort of talking about one of those stories he posted uh, on the website. I don't know for you, you know, it, growing up, um, uh, reading Wonder Woman, um, obviously in the 80s and 90s, there was still a lot of homophobia, uh, blatant homophobia, let's say, there's still a lot of blatant homophobia, not that there isn't any now. But, you know, I I never put those things together when it came to um, to Princess Diana. I could kind of see and get down with the notion that this, um, this uh, title or this character would somehow be, if if at all in any way, representative or be a good role model for young ladies that might be, you know, either already out of the closet or questioning uh, their uh, sexual orientation, uh, and use um, the role of uh, Wonder Woman as a role model. I think it's a positive thing. I mean, like I, you know, um, William Moulton Marston is the creator of uh, Wonder Woman, and you know, he created this character at a time, you know, he was like a polyam, a, po- a polygamist. You know, he had a wife and a girlfriend, and 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 they shared this life together. The, these people shared a life together. I mean, like he's always been someone who is about not just empowering women, but also kind of empowering lifestyles that are. Um, I guess, you know, left of center or whatever, right? Or typically left of center for whatever reason. Um, so I don't know. So like for the idea of Wonder Woman being like gay, I just feel like, well, that's, to me, it's not new, right? The, you know, the, from, from her inception, she's someone who not only pushes, like I said, power, uh, female power, but also pushes uh, societal sort of like standards or boundaries uh, that, you know, we set upon ourselves for whatever reason, um, that Wonder Woman kind of, she represents that. Um, and, and what I love about the article as well is them talking about the idea of like, um, Wonder Woman, she's just into someone's, like, she just loves people, right? She did, she says, she doesn't just love dudes, she loves people. And it doesn't really matter who it is or, or what they're about. She loves you, you know what I mean? And like, and if, you know, so I don't know, like, like I, I think, um, uh, I think it's t- like we had a discussion before with the club line casting, but I think it applies here. It's a, it's time we start of we characters should reflect the times we live in, and maybe it's time for us to start looking at Wonder Woman differently. And when I say differently, I mean look at her like the way she was created. Uh, when I you know in times where I guess we're maybe not as uh, conservative. Um, at least it's mythology and it's lore is of Greek um, origin. And for, for that matter, you think of like how some of the relationship without being too um, explicit, the kind of relationship that existed in that society at that time. So. Right, right. Well, also in the Amazonian myths, right, they only used men to procreate. And they would still, they would get rid of their, their male, uh, their male children and just keep, you know, the, the females, right? Right. So it was. I mean, I don't even think the concept of, or at least the definitions that we use now, were, were there. But because it wasn't, it was. I guess it was just being, being human. You know, they were just being human, and 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 they loved who they loved, and and you know had romantic relationships and physical relationships who they wanted. I mean, I I doesn't. <clears throat> I mean, I know it, it's important for some people. It, you know, it's an important. It's an important statement now in the time that we're living in, but I kind of always figured she was 
you know, if we're using, you know, today's terms like bisexual, right? I mean, that, that always, that always felt right to me. And it wasn't the centerpiece of the story. It was just, again, it was who Wonder Woman was, um, you know, she was very much human, right? Very much, um, the epitome of strength and, and, and compassion and, uh, and vulnerability being able to like step up and, and, and um, be a model of equality. Good, man, I'm with that, Frankie. Real quick, before we move on to the danger room, I just wanted to rap about this one story. It's, a, it's been uh, across multiple threads, multiple articles have been written about this. It is um, the story about Chris Pratt. But it's not just about Chris Pratt, it's about the reaction to the story. So essentially, as you guys have known that maybe over the past, let's say 10, 15 years, Jared could probably trace this back, maybe slightly better than I have. But there was a essentially kind of a new um, generation of writers that came into Marvel, DC, and then of course into um, more independent publishing companies. That some of them, you know, not all of them, many of them called themselves SJW, social justice warriors. At that time, you might look at someone like Vida Ayala. She is Afro Latina. She writes a lot of her stories deal with the African American, the Latino American zeitgeist, and how how those stories would affect people in those communities. Chris Pratt has for a long time, I think, from many um, MCU fans, believe, many MCU fans have believed that he was pretty much kind of right on the line of being a Trump supporter, right? You know, but there was no way to prove it, but either through his Instagram or his Twitter, the subtlety of his um, Christian values, um, some people had come to believe that Chris Pratt was a likely Trump supporter. And so he kind of got lambasted for that uh, one way or another. A journalist by the name of um, Amy Berg, I believe, or Amy Berg, her name is, uh, posted a poll on her Instagram account, basically asking who's the worst Chris. So, of course, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pine, Chris Evans, and then Chris Pratt. Now, um, within the context of what it was, because she was referring to the fact that all these different MCU figures had showed up on uh, a Zoom call in support of Biden and Chris Pratt was not present for that Zoom call in support of Biden. So at that, she, or I guess others, I don't want to speak on her behalf, but many others, I, I guess that point basically jumps to the conclusion that the reason why Chris Pratt was not on this call is because he's a Trump supporter. And then after that, it just blew up. The threads, the, the comments, everything like that, people just talking trash about Chris Pratt. There is already the story about um, his church being anti-LGBTQ, it just blew up after that. But anyways, subsequent to that story getting hot, many Avengers um, cast, like Robert Downey Jr., Zoe Saldana, um, James Gunn came out in support of Chris Pratt. I've done my research on the story as much as I could. I couldn't find anything obvious that would, you know, other than him being a Christian, which I don't think that anyone just because they're a Christian should be assume that they are that they would intrinsically lack progressive values or at least open-ended values right in terms of um, people's um, right to choose the way they live but I couldn't find anything obvious or explicit about anything about his character or his public uh, personality that would make me think that he's a Trump supporter necessarily but the, the third backlash on this is that what has happened subsequent to that is that the independent put out an article basically saying well Tessa Thompson and Brie Larson 
were harassed basically off of Twitter and harassed off of um, Instagram and other social media. And none of these same people came out and defended him. Mark Rothlow didn't have statements out on it. Robert Downey Jr., Zoe Saldana, these two ladies. So the question is, is there a double standard? Did you guys have um, any, have you guys heard about this at all? Or do you have any kind of opinion about it? Or just should it matter at all? Look, I haven't liked him since Endgame, bro. It's his fault that everything happened. I mean, not even since Infinity War, so, you know. I'm not even trying to read anything about Chris Pratt right now. I'm still mad about Star-Lord screwing everything up. Uh, Sip Lord, man. He just got all about the feelings, and he cost the whole universe half of its people. Fuck that guy, right? And he voted for Trump. So, you know what? Chris Pratt, go to... No. Um, I don't know, man. Like, one is Twitter, so I think people react... I think people have weird reactions on Twitter. I know that's not a hot take, and uh, maybe it's uh, it's an obvious one, but, I mean, it just feels like... Like, one, I, I think I think there is something to, like, you know... We like white dudes. Like, that's just... We're, we're a society built around the idea of liking white dudes, no matter who they are, right? Like, like I know, you know, like... <laughs> you know, uh, John Wayne has said and done stuff. Clint Eastwood has said and done stuff. We know exactly where their political leanings were and how they feel about, you know, people that look like us, right? <laughs> Not to say they hate every black person or whatever, but we know that, that you know, they, they're they all white dudes and they probably weren't fans, right, of, of everything, right, that we do. But, you know, I still can fuck with the John Wayne movie. Like, but I think that's, that's, I don't know, like that, it, it, that's never been a problem, I think, for, you know, for us, right? To, to look at a white guy who, who like votes, uh, for systemic racism, essentially, who who, put, who cast their vote for a system uh, of, of politics that is designed to keep us in check and keep us down, right? And, and that 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 just celebrates the people, a guy who celebrates that and makes movies about that, and we can still watch those movies and still disconnect the artist from the art. Um, but I don't know, like like I, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's. I don't know what I'm trying to say. What do you, what do you guys say, Jared? It's the notion of cancel culture, what people, or at least what people call cancel culture, and essentially in American media right now, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, I believe in cancel culture. I think the issue here was, was it deserved on Chris Pratt's part? Did he deserve to be canceled? And I come, my point was that I think there's two things to be made here. One, there's not enough evidence to cancel him, at least it's from what I can tell. Um, his political leanings look a little bit dicey, but there's proof that he's donated to the Democratic Party and donated to Barack Obama, voted for Barack Obama. I think the second issue, at least of my secondary issue, is more along the lines with the independent vote. It wasn't so much about the first rigmarole around whether or not he was a Trump supporter or not. There wasn't enough evidence to prove that. My problem was with, is kind of what the independent said, is that all these people jumped on the bandwagon to defend Chris Pratt, but they didn't jump on the bandwagon to defend Tessa Thompson and Brie Larson. Brie Larson was harassed off of social media because she wanted more diversity in the movies these people star in. She was just asking for more diversity. And it's funny because it asks a question about the genre that we are here trying to represent to some extent. Nerddom, right? You know, I mean, I went to Politicon 
uh, this is the sites where I'm trying to get too long. So I went to Politicon, and there was a Trump supporter there in the middle of all the fights at this convention on the side of Donald Trump. And you know what he was sporting the whole time? An x men shirt. He's a persecuted minority, Jared. Don't you understand? He he's 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 a white man fighting against the tide. You know that's that's why he's wearing that shirt. He thinks he is persecuted. But I mean, like that's the thing, right? It's like one, they're celebrities, right? Like Chris Pratt. The only thing Chris Pratt has this is gonna this is gonna be mean because I think Chris Pratt he seemed like a good guy, right? The only thing he's done of merit was he played. A fucking superhero guy that I like. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not a politician. He's not a, an activist. He's just a dude who who came to work and pretended to be something, right? He didn't write the character. He did. He did. You know what I mean? Like, like, like. I don't understand. So the idea was putting so much stock into how he votes. I don't. I kind of don't give a shit. Like, it's like whatever. I mean, like, it is what it is, right? I mean, like, assuming that's what it is, which I don't know and I don't care, right? But I think it is a bigger issue, the idea of, like, the idea that being a woman is po is political in America. Being black is political in America. Just the idea of saying, hey, you know, I wish they hired more people that look like me in, in, in my field becomes a political statement that someone like Robert Downey Jr. is afraid to, to touch because it's a live wire and he doesn't want to, you know, seem political. It's fucked up. It's messed up. I mean, like, it's, uh, and like I said, I think we've been trained in this culture to be like, white, white isn't a side. White is... Is is just sort of the is the average white is the is the flat surface that we just whatever we're all, we're all trained to that um, and so we you know so I think it's easier to see Chris Pratt and go like oh he's just a white dude right and we see Brie Larson we go that woman's trying to change shit <laughs> like we got we got to take her out you know and it, it's 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 just uh, the nature of of the beast right of of, of the world we live in. Because again, she's not saying anything radical. She's literally just saying, "Yo, I wish they hire more people that look like me." I mean, that's that's as basic a thing as you can say. And whatever, that's the world we live in. Uh, thanks for guys' comments. Anyways, hey you guys, um, let's move into the danger room. You guys ready for that? Amen. Hey, it's Halloween season. It's Halloween season, uh, and um, I think horror is definitely a, a genre of um, of nerdum that uh, maybe we should do more than um, once a year. I mean, we haven't been on for a whole year, but maybe we can find more time and more episodes to speak about this. But let's start now. I think it's kind of apt that we are talking about horror right now, considering that there have been maybe, um, you know, with Guillermo del Toro and, um, and Jordan Peele, um, basically in many ways paving the way, especially Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro um, paving the way, for more people of color really kind of, um, not just get into the genre, but to excel and contemporarily. There have been other people of color in the genre. I, I don't want to leave them out. But to not just get into the genre, but to excel. But maybe it's time for us to kind of talk about um, some of the history and kind of what our thoughts are and kind of where we have historically been at, uh, you know, as, as nerds and geeks in this and how it's fit into how we related to horror as a, a genre of, you know, kind of the geek experience. What I was talking about earlier, just about the idea of, uh, of you know, usually horror, a lot of horror I've seen the last, you know, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, like the slasher kind of horror stuff was very much like, uh, you know, from a certain perspective, right? And and at some point that perspective just wasn't mine. So it was, it was it, so I didn't enjoy it 
for it being horror. I just enjoyed it because it was ridiculous or funny or silly or whatever. Um, but what I like about the horror or the supernatural stuff that I'm seeing, um, like I said, from Twilight Zone, from Black Mirror, uh, from, a, from a lot of these uh, kind of horror stories, Get Out, right? Uh, uh, Us, uh, the Jordan Peele stuff, is that it's starting to feel more like I understand horror better because I understand that it's it's coming from a perspective. That perspective is a perspective that I understand. I'm like, oh, I get why that's scary. I understand why that's something that should terrify me, you know? And, and so I appreciate over the last decade at, at the most, uh, we're starting to see uh, more people take take risks on on voices that usually aren't heard in the horror space. And, and, and those, vo those voices are really um, making stories that just feel um, not just current and prescient, but also, you know, yeah, like, you know, personal like, to me, you know, like I, 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 it's, it's, it's a selfish thing, but I'm like, oh, I get it now. I understand why that's a scary thing. Well, that's an interesting statement, I, I think, um, because it kind of implies that, that, that you didn't get why it was scary before. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, directly <laughs> implies that you didn't get what was scary before, um, you know, but. <clears throat> but it doesn't, it kind of doesn't make sense to me because I, I think there's, uh, I mean, we've always, we can get into to who these films are aimed at, but there, there's always this, uh, this unknown and supernatural um, that it invokes in horror movies that all of us kind of fear, right? I mean, I, I get like the personal experience, like, like uh, is, is improving now, right, for people of color. But I feel like horror movies are very similar to comic books, and they've always reflected the social, uh, the social, uh, economic, and and depressed uh, people, right? Like I, I think about George George Romero, right, who was like a on the forefront of that, right, uh, with Night of the Living Dead. Uh, have you you you've all seen Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we recognize what's happening in that film, and you know, it was the first. I think it may have been the first horror film to ever have a, a person of color protagonist, right? So, I, I, yeah, I get the, I get the statement, but I also, I also, I'm like, it, it's a little, it's a little confusing to me. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it, it, for me, it's just like, I mean, I'm not, you know, look, there's exceptions, right? There's definitely. I'm not saying every horror movie is this. But I do feel like there was a lot of horror, at least in, in the time that I was growing up with horror, that wasn't that, right? That was very much, like I said, in the slasher mode, right? Jason, right? Like, like they use a lot of tropes. The idea of like, oh, the car won't start. And the, the angsty, you know, uh, Christian girls are trying their hardest to, uh, to, to escape the murderer who wants to kill them because they're topless. Like, it's just a lot of things for me that didn't, didn't resonate, right? And like, and like I said, I, I see, and when I say perspective, like, I don't necessarily just mean the black perspective. Like, you know, we're going to talk about a couple films that resonate with us. And mine is about the whitest movie, the whitest horror movie you could <laughs> possibly think of. And I felt it's like even that finds a perspective, a, 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 a perspective to see the story in the world that is effective in telling a different story in, that, in the context of, of the horror, right? Uh, what would you say is the, um, the story, book, or um, or film that has impacted you the most, Frankie? That's a 
it's a challenging question so i can answer like right now i think my my comfort food horror movie is uh is the texas chainsaw massacre the original 1974 toby hooper uh directed texas chainsaw massacre i love like it's funny to say that you love a film that <laughs> that, that is so uh, that is that is just uh, it decimates everyone in the movie, uh, but but I just remember uh, the lore around that. Right, it was kind of like it's kind of like similar to what the Blair Witch did, uh, what the internet did for the Blair Witch. Like there was a, a word of mouth around the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That that span generations, like so far that there are still people that I know today that believe that it actually happened. <clears throat> so I, yeah, I, I mean I love this movie, and it is it's it's I guess it's it's an early start to that trope that you were talking about, Jared, where it's you know a bunch of hippie white kids are going on a road trip uh, in a van, and and they're one way or another their car starts uh is, is part of it it's not working in the way that it should be and they should get out of the situation sooner than they do but always step into it <clears throat> right so like uh but I, it is it's perfect it, it's shot on 16 millimeter it looks like a like a like a home movie right it looks like something that that you would record at a, at a backyard party um and it's terrifying it's terrifying that in the middle of nowhere, Texas, there would be a family of cannibals who, who stalk and prey on unsuspecting, you know, naive white kids. One of the one of the greatest, like I think, horror icons of all time, which is like Leatherface. Um, but just even the the psychology, the family psychology that happens in between them, because he's just. He's incredibly terrifying. He's this giant man. And then when the father comes in the picture, he's like squealing and, and you know, cowering from him. It's just, it's all over the place. It's wonderful. Love that movie. Here's, not to put you on the spot or anything, but like, what, what do you think it is about like Leatherface? Because like, like, because I, I agree, like, like, uh, I, I have not seen the original uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Part of it is because I'm a fucking coward, right? And, like, you know, we talked about this before. My hot take is that, you know, my, my hot, unfiltered, just sort of, like, stupid take is that uh, black folks don't like horror movies, right? Because because we, we have enough stress in our lives. We don't need more fucking stress, right? And and part of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre to me was that it looked like a snuff film. It didn't look like a fucking, like, like oh, this is just some, something that someone just record it while they're actually doing it like you were saying like it looks real um but so wh why is it but what what about leatherface tr like kind of like breaks through all that right what why isn't he jason why isn't he freddy right like why what is it about leatherface that is so different uh in how effective he is at at at, at, at that terror in your opinion i think it's because it, it could actually happen like he's he's not um, he's he's not a supernatural uh, monster, you know. He's he's uh, he's a regular person who was raised by an incredibly dysfunctional family um, to think what he's doing is normal, right? To think that 
that what they're doing is part of their survival so that it could actually happen. I've driven, you know, I mean, and I think maybe, I don't know if you all have, but a lot, a lot of people have, have driven in back roads and in small towns and have, you know, and have met people who are not as informed because they're in smaller, smaller communities, you know, so things are done differently. Things are done a little slower and, and, uh, and it's not that far fetched. I'm not calling people, yeah, you know, I'm not calling people slow, but I'm saying that it's, it's a slower pace of life um, that happens there. Um, and tradition is very important to think that a family would pass down a tradition of, of cooking meat, whatever meat they, they could get. Um, it's not that far fetched, right? And it's connected, like there's a root to it, right? There's a root to, um, to the story, which comes from the serial killer Ed Gein, um, and I don't know if you've ever read about Ed Gein, but uh, you know he, he really did stuff like that. He really dug people up and made, you know, suits of of people, right? Like so, made of people, yeah. So, it, so it's it's terrifying because because it could actually happen. No, that's that, that's interesting. That's uh, yeah, like I said, it looks like a snuff film. It look it, that that thing looks like it just looks terrifying. I got a couple of things I want to say to Frankie. I got I got a comment and a and a brief story. When I was uh, seventeen years old, you know, my dad was in the timeshares. You know, I think back in the eighties and nineties, right? So my dad um bought into a timeshare. And so he decided to exercise his timeshare somewhere out in the middle of Arizona. It was this retreat. I don't remember what part of Arizona, but it was just red dirt and just, just his timeshare. And I remember I got out there. And so, you know, it was just me, my dad, my stepmother. So there were, you know, this timeshare was basically empty. So I'm just walking around, you know, this place out in the middle of nowhere. So I'm just basically walking through canyons and dirt. Anyways, this little girl, she must have been 11, 12 years old, finds me. And she asked me if I was there for the timeshare. I'm like, yeah, sure I am. And she said, where are you from? I said, you know, I'm from, you know, uh, you know, Los Angeles County, as I lived in Pomona, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, so she goes, so um, uh, are you into drugs? <laughs> and I was like, uh, what do you mean? She goes, if someone offered you drugs, would you turn it down? And I said, yeah, I'd turn it down. She goes, well, I thought most black people would turn it up. And in my head, two things popped in my head. Fuck yeah, black people turn it up. But secondly... <laughs> The second thought was, where the fuck did my dad just bring me to? Because I remember thinking, this is bullshit. I didn't want to go on that vacation to begin with. But at the same time, I was like, where in the hell am I? Like, what's going to happen next? You know what I'm saying? Because it was just out in the middle of nowhere. As far as I knew, Arizona at the time, I wasn't thinking about Phoenix, Arizona, whatever cities they got out there and stuff, man where it might be more chill, or that Arizona in 2020 might possibly vote for Biden. This was back in, like, 1989, and I thought I might die. The second um, comment is for Frankie. I want, I'm curious what Frankie thinks about this, because I started watching horror movies super young. I'm talking, like, seven, eight, nine years old. But there was a period, because horror movies were huge in, um, in, the, in, the, in the mid-'80s, early-'80s, and Faces of Death came around. And it seemed, and Faces of Death is just like what Jared was saying. It's like, it's just basically a snuff film. But all the cats that were into horror were into Faces of Death. And Faces of Death had zero story. 
is faces of death at all any kind of natural segue or I shouldn't say segue, but natural path for people who are, who love the genre of horror. I can definitely see there being a spark of a curiosity for like real life, uh, real life morbid scenes because because the uh, because of the practical effects in horror movies that were so good. Um, so I, I can see there, especially with young horror fans, being a sort of curiosity born from that. Um, you know, I, I know I, I watched a couple of those when I was younger. Um, I think I think a, a majority of the faces of death were fake too. I think they were there were practical effects, but um, but yeah, I mean I can I can see there there definitely being a curiosity of um, of uh, what what that may look like in in actual life, you know. I feel like that's got to be part of like the, the horror of horror, right? Like it's like it's this exploration of like I think that's why horror is so um like like sought after by like by young people right because it's like this idea of like i'm seeing a part of the world i was never meant to see right like you know i've been sheltered or i've been kind of like shielded from the world and now i i just want to see all of it right it's like it's born out of curiosity um a lot of that stuff um which is you know yeah I, i've been there right i'd like to agree with that i think there's, there's or does something I think very specific um, in terms of uh, the young population that watches it that virtually no other genre does, and it does kind of challenge young people, if not all of us, but our, our sense of mortality, right? Situationally, right? To kind of question our mortality, to, to give it more consideration, not just in a supernatural sense, because look, Frankie's talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I remember when I saw that, I remember, I, I remember being young and watching that and thinking waiting for the reveal of why this guy was supernatural, why this guy was, um, you know, somehow demonic, possessed by something. I remember waiting, but I remember when it just turned out he was just a normal dude. That was actually kind of more scary in a way, that this was just some guy out just, you know, chopping folks out and stuff. So, anyways, Jared, um, what impacted you, if anything, in the genre for you know, young, now, or whatever? Well, like I said, like I, I wasn't, I didn't really fuck a lot of horror when I was younger, just because, like I said, I, I just thought a lot of the horror, horror, a lot of the horror that was around when I was a kid was corny. I felt like, like I'm an '80s kid, '80s '90s kid, so uh, a lot of that stuff just felt corny to me. I mean, it was still scary, like you know, it, it got your heart pumping the way we're talking about, where you're thinking about your mortality, like this idea of like this hidden world that's being revealed to you. Uh, but this world being a violence and whatever, whatever. So all that stuff, you know, like it was, it still resonated. But I mean, like, it, it. But I got to a certain age where it just wasn't effective, right? Um, so it wasn't. It, like I said, it hasn't been until maybe until I've been an adult, right? Until my adult years that I've started kind of like appreciating horror more, um, uh, and just understanding. Like I said, we we're talking about before. I keep on saying beating a dead horse here, but just the idea of perspective, right? Just, I mean, that's important to every story, right? Your perspective on that story, but um, but finding one in horror is, for me at least, for my taste, is super important. Understanding where this horror is coming from and, and being able to question it is super, like, just effective to me. So, uh, so in the last few years, a movie I watched that kind of snuck up on me. I didn't think it would have the effect it had on me. I'm just as surprised as anyone else 
that <laughs> that it has fucked with me is a movie called The Witch. Uh, it's a movie came out, I think, in 2016, I want to say. Um, it's by a, a guy named Roger Eggers, and he's he's a, he's an American, right? He's he's an American dude. He's, he's just he's a white dude from New England, but um, Robert makes, was Robert. That? Robert Eggers. I'm sorry, not Roger. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Roger Ebert, y'all. Ro- <laughs> Robert Eggers. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, he's he's he wrote and directed it, but uh, but but he, but this, he makes these movies that are like are like pretty much time capsules, right? Like he does all this research and he makes these movies about like these fucked up English people, essentially. Um, and, and but so The Witch takes place in like. The 17th century, I think it's like the early 17th century. Uh, so it's before America is founded, essentially. And uh, it's about a Puritan family who are kind of uh, ostracized from their community and have to make their way in like the forest surrounding uh, their little their little Garden of Eden. Um, and uh, and a witch fucks with them, essentially. And that's kind of just what it's about, right? It's about this family being kind of terrorized by a witch. Um, but what I love about it is, well, one, like, I feel like what, what I think a lot of, a lot of the horror that I was talking about, like the horror that didn't really resonate for me when I was younger, like the Nightmare on Elm Streets and like the Friday the 13th, like that kind of stuff is, is, you know, at some point the monsters just become so ridiculous that, you know, you're, you're laughing at them. You're not, you're not like ter- like, you know, having not seen, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it sounds like that's different, right? But Jason is essentially a, a ter- he's Terminator, right? He's fucking, he's a fucking robot who can't be stopped, right? Um, but what's interesting about um, the way the witch approaches horror is it's all kind of in your imagination. The movie's called The Witch, but you never really see the titular monster, right? Like, I think you, you see, like, little glimpses every once in a while, but you don't see the witch, right? Like, it's not about the witch you know, breaking in a door and, and, you know, giving you a, a, a crazy shock. You're like, oh my God, where'd she come from? You know, it's not really about that. It's, it's about these people uh, being corrupted, you know, these flawed humans being corrupted uh, and, and destroying themselves, right? And so, so you got, it's, it's crazy because you got to do a lot of work to really kind of get from this movie, right? Like, like it's, it's uh, the dialect isn't even English. Like it's actually authentic Essex like like accents spoken at the time you know so like it's very poetic in a lot of ways and hard as hell to 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 figure out what they're saying like i had to watch the movie on subtitles you know what i mean they're speaking english but not really like uh actually you don't see the monster really like like you have to do a lot of work to really kind of connect with this movie but i think like once you connect with it and once you really think about what you're watching like i said your imagination goes crazy like like you're like the things it, it makes you it makes you really want to study what makes you scared, right? You know, like, like I, I think I think obviously if I just went real fast right to you, you get why that's shocking because you know you're not expecting it, right? It's unexpected. But I think this movie isn't so much about scaring you or shocking you with the unexpected. It's about it's about really kind of analyzing what it is, what what is what is horror. You know what I mean? Like, what is what is the darkness in humanity kind of thing? And that, and that sounds like a very like thirteen year old thing to say, right? But I mean, but but I think but I think when you when you explore it 
mature in a mature fashion i think i think i think you get interesting results and, and the witch is one of those movies that really taps into that you know um it's great and, and in terms of perspective like like i thought the main character is anya taylor joy she's like she plays magic in the, in the new mutants movie uh you see her a lot more but i think this might have been one of her first flicks um but uh but she plays like the daughter in, in this family and you know, so a lot of the movie is kind of told through her perspective, and 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 it's 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 interesting because obviously she's a woman in a Puritan society. She's a young woman in a Puritan society. She's growing up, whatever, whatever, going through puberty, all this stuff. But like I said, in a Puritan society, so she's very put upon, and and there's a lot of of people telling her what they expect her to be in life and how they expect her to be in life, and and, and her role already determined and figured out. And for and and it's kind of about the movie is kind of about what happens when, when when you come when you come into kind of conflict with that. But do you feel like you enjoyed it more intellectually versus it having an impact on how you either followed or your outlook on the genre generally? Just no. just have to be a title that you just dug. I think well, I think I think it speaks to me. Like I said, I I really I, I if you told me I watched this movie and said it was dumb, like I wouldn't be like, oh, you're wrong. I'd be like, look, it, I get it. It's not for everyone. I think that's just how I approach stories personally. Like I I I look at them intellectually, right? Like I'm a writer, so like I that I'm always looking at stuff like that. So like so for me, it did both, right? Like I think intellectually it sparked something, but I think also just as a horror movie, I think it's super effective because again, it's about it uses your imagination. It's very, it's very effective at saying like, here's this thing, and I'm going to let you imagine it. I'm going to let you, I'm gonna let you project whatever bullshit you're going through, whatever bullshit dark stuff that's happening in you and your psyche, your childhood, whatever you're going through, I'm going to let you bring some of that. I'm going to let you, it's like Taekwondo, right? Where it's our karate, whatever, you know, where I'm using, Robert Eggers is using our, you know, momentum to, to help, to help him scare us. You know what I mean? So we're bringing some of our stuff into this movie it's 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 like i said i think on an intellectual level that is super interesting but i think on a horror level it works because now you're bringing your fears now this thing this movie i'm a i'm a black dude from fucking from 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 pomona california right like from la county right like like but like watching a movie about you know a white a white girl in puritan you know 1630s america you know, before the country was even founded, like I was still able to relate to the story and and take a lot away from it just because of that, because I was able to better, you know, connect myself to it. Um, That's interesting. I I wonder, like you're saying, relate to the story, and I'm wondering what. I mean, I, I hear the appreciation for the storytelling, uh, and it is it's a, it's it's a beautiful beautifully shot film. It, right. it is frustrating to hear the old English being spoken throughout right. the movie. Um, you know, it, it has elements, it, it invokes elements similar to to, uh, to The Exorcist, I think, where it's, it plays on a fear of, of religious upbringing, right? Uh, an extreme religious upbringing. But I'm curious what you, what you relate to in the, in the film um, itself, other than the appreciation for the 
for for the the, the artistic tactics and and uh, storytelling no i mean like that's a good question like when i was a kid or when i was like a teenager or whatever i had a, i have an aunt right and my aunt said something to me that like i live my life by right like she said niggas just don't dream no more <laughs> that, that's what she said we're talking about some some sh shifty niggas and she said niggas just don't dream no more right and like and I, I I see that as a problem, at least in my generation, with that community, with the black community in general. Is like, you know, we we tell people, we tell black kids who they need to be, who they need to be, how they need to be. And we we put so much on them. And then when they, you know, and 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 and, and then we still ex expect them to be good, right? Like or to or to somehow, you know, um, you know. To be all right with that, right? And, and so I think what I connect to with this movie is again like uh, Anya uh, Taylor's character her name is uh, Th Thomason. Th Thomason. Thomason. Um, I think what I connected to there is like I said, this story is about a corruption. It's about a corruption of flawed people, um, which I think I think really kind of like really connects to what we're going through right now as a world, a country in particular specifically but the world in general of like you know of just how we're allowing the we're allowing outside forces to to corrupt us and and we're destroying ourselves kind of thing one but two also like i said i her her story is so resonant in that like she's the she's the only good person in this story you know she's actually someone who's trying to be a good person but it's the it's the social factors surrounding her that that push her to becoming because the movie ends. Now, I don't want to get too spoilerific with it if you haven't seen it because worth watching. But the movie ends with her kind of like succumbing to that corruption, succumbing to the devil. Like there's a character, he's a goat. Dude, there's a goat called Black Philip, right? And, and 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 you know, if for for a lot of the movie, you're like, is that a goat or is that the devil? I don't know. And at some point, you're like, no, that motherfucker's the devil. And he doesn't talk; he whispers. He whispers so low that you can't even you can't even hear it, right? But 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 like Black Philip, she she succumbs to this devil, right? She succumbs to this thing. And and I think that that moment, that ending, really resonated with me because, like I said, I just she was so good. She she loved her family. She was trying to be a good person, but. But because of the world around her and the pressure put on her to be a certain kind of person, it drove her to that corruption. It drove her to be that kind of, to, to, to be that person. And I, I think that's, for me, I, I, see, I, see, I see my blackness in that a little bit. I, I come from a pretty bad neighborhood where, you know, I could have... It could have went. In, it could have went. It would have could have, could have went another way for me. You know what I mean? Like like I grew up in a place where I could have done some other shit. I could have made other decisions, and I didn't make those decisions. And so when I see this movie, I see someone who made those decisions instead of the ones I made. I guess. And like I said, it, 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 I think that's the terror that I think sort of like imprints itself on me personally uh, with the witch. I got a question for Frankie. Jared mentioned in there about like the unseen terror, right? Like I think that some titles or you know some films have done a decent job of that. Uh, but I'm curious, what Frank, what did you think about um, Falling Down with uh, Denzel Washington? The Falling. The Falling. The Falling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I remember when I was younger, I really enjoyed it, and I watched it again, and and um, and I didn't enjoy it as much. <laughs> but uh, but I thought the premise was really cool. Yeah. 
into the premise of like this this ancient uh, demon uh, being able to to move through through bodies um, easily. And I wondered, actually, I wondered that too. Uh, talking about it, I wondered if it was only able because in the movie it wasn't able to to possess him for some reason. And I'm wondering if there was something about righteousness, right? Like if people were. Um, you know, no, but but it, 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 it put, I mean, it's a good, it, and it kind of correlates with, with the witch on, on a certain level where it's like, uh, it's what we invite in, you know, what's the evil that we invite in, right? Because I don't think necessarily the, the movie Witch was about a witch, you know, I think it was about, it was about um, this extreme way these people were practicing a religious belief, right? And, and uh, like these Puritans were, we're constantly uh, judging each other in an extreme manner for coming up short on on being a good Christian when it was almost impossible to be a good Christian with with the with the parameters that they set for themselves, right? So they essentially invite that evil in by identifying everything that anyone does as evil, right? So I think that's that's uh, you know, and and uh, they essentially invite the invite the devil into the story because uh because of their judgment of each other right like that, it, that it's a it's an incredibly it's a deep film dude like what you just said now is like like i said like i feel it's a deep film and it totally like it it kind of encapsulates the moment we live in right like what you're saying frankie just the idea of us like like holding ourselves to these standards that we just can't meet and then projecting evil onto it right like 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 projecting evil onto humanity in a way that like it's futile like it's it, 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 it's i don't know yeah uh, uh, the more i think about that movie the more i love it and the more i think about the movie the more i i'm terrified by it so i don't like thinking about it because it scares the shit out of me it makes me afraid of the dark it's a movie that makes me afraid of the dark it makes me afraid to go in the dark alone like it's that kind of like experience that that hits me that way, you know, like, like I said, but the Blair Witch was the same way. Like the Blair Witch terrified me. It was the same thing where I like the unseen terror made me afraid of the dark for like a good month. Um, but I talked to some people who are like, that movie's dumb. You don't see no monster. Yeah, you I don't see nothing. Uh, I, I haven't felt that for any movie in so long yeah. since I was a kid, like that type of terror, like the closest, the closest, I came to it was with this this film called uh, As Above So Below. It's on Netflix right now. Are you it's saying that? Really good, really good movie. Um, but but uh, but still, it's like it's never. I never lose sleep over it, right? I never. I'm like, oh, that was scary. Good night, and I'm out. You know. <laughs> um, I mean, the closest thing I think that, that really bugged me out was this short story. It was a four line story, and and uh, it says it says. Um, they made actually a short film of it on, on uh, YouTube. But it says, I heard my mother calling me from downstairs in the kitchen. Uh, I walked out of my room towards the stairs to go to her. Just then, my mother pulled me into her room and told me, shh, I heard it too. <laughs> right, that still gives me chills. <laughs> it still gives me chills, man, but I mean, I don't. I haven't, I haven't, like when I hear that, you know, afraid of the dark, like stuff that sticks with you, I haven't had a, 
an experience like that since I was since I was younger. So well, you know, I got a couple of questions. I'm going to basically talk to you guys about um, where I've been impacted, you know, what I enjoyed in the horror genre, um, and I want it towards the end to turn them into questions for Frankie. I'm going to talk about two films. The only reason I'm going to do it is because I think that they represent what I believe, and Frankie can answer, is the bifurcation to some extent of the horror genre, right? The Evil Dead series. I actually enjoy this series. The funny thing about it is, so last night I watched the first Evil Dead. Now, I've already seen it before, but it was you know well over 20 years ago that I saw uh, the first Evil Dead, and I forgot how serious they kind of were trying to take it because i'd watched ash versus the evil dead and army of darkness and even evil dead 2 far more recently it had been you know over two decades since i had seen the first evil dead and all of the normal tropes happen in that first one it's like the group of white kids driving out some cabin out in the middle of nowhere there are the um the shots of people being chased but it's a low low angled shot there was a chase sequence in there where Bruce Campbell's being chased through the house. It's just going from room to room, hallway to hallway. And it's an incredible shot because it's a single shot and it's awesome. But anyways, I digress. Anyways, uh, Evil Dead, the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because the funny thing about it is, is that when I think about the bifurcation of the genre is that the first Evil Dead seems to kind of take itself seriously. But by the time you get to Army of Darkness, it's it's basically just a fun action movie. Even though it's the same, it's the same character as Ashley or Ash, um, it's the same character. The first movie, if you guys go back and watch it, he doesn't really have that, that many lines. It's interesting to realize that in those first two mini movies, how little acting is actually done. And especially by the time you get into Evil Dead 2, it's a lot of crackballs. And yeah, I will say part of that humor, I think, also is that it's wrong, right? You should like, like, because because the the it's funny because there's pratfalls and there's actual humor in it, but also I think because what they're doing is there's pratfalls in someone being, you know, just devoured or, or murdered or whatever, or they're they're bringing Satan in. Like, you shouldn't be laughing at this, but it but it's it's hard not to. It's hilarious, but I think that's part of the humor too, is you shouldn't be laughing at it. The reason behind the, the lack of, uh, of dialogue between characters in Evil Dead 1 was because they kept running out of money. Yeah. So so that movie was made over the span of, like, I think two years or three years. And uh, and some of the actors didn't come back, right? So, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity to get more scenes between the actors. So that could explain some of that. And I, my theory for, for why they get funny... Um, because because uh, Evil Dead Two is uh, what did what did Bruce Campbell call it? He called it a a requel, right? <laughs> a requel because there, there's always there's been a huge battle if whether it's a sequel or a remake, and he said it's a requel, right? It's essentially a remake of it. It's a remake and a sequel, and so um, I think I feel like the reason why it shifts into this like almost nonsensical like comedy horror is because Ashley, the character of Ashley goes mad. He goes mad at the end of, of uh, the first Evil Dead. He goes insane. So now we're getting it from the perspective of this madman, right, um, who's completely in his head. That's why when we get into two, most of the movies, just him. Yeah, I get scared of these horror movies. 
And I had like these dueling reactions to watching Evil Dead again after like 20 plus years. Was that that first scene when Homegirl comes out and like her eyes are messed up and like her face is like up black and red crap and you know bleeding out of it. Like I actually got a stare. Like I got chills. And then almost immediately I started laughing because you could see the plastic mask coming off. <laughs> like there's a scene where she turns her head up and back and you can see it starting to come off like all the makeup and I'm like oh crap so I'm like almost in the same emotional moment I was laughing and like scared shitless right now anyways um other thing I want to bring up um and this kind of goes to that is the Amityville Horror now we want to talk about some of the impact I enjoyed Army of Darkness and and the Evil Dead stuff but the Amityville Horror you know um I I grew up, I'm, I'm a bit older than Jared, so I grew up on uh, The Exorcist, The Exorcist 2, The Omen, the, uh, the Omen 2, uh, then the, later on the one with uh, Damien, uh, Salem's Lot, uh, like that kind of stuff. And the Amityville Horror, even The Shining was even doing that genre. But the Amityville Horror for me was the epitome of like what scared the, the crap out of me because one, which I didn't realize till later on, I think the dude, I think the writer, John An Jay Anson, frankly, is that his name? I think Jay Anson wrote the book in 1977 because in 1974 there was an actual murderer. I can't think it's like DeFeo or something like that, or Ron or Ray DeFeo, uh, killed his family. And so the Amityville Horror is based on a true story. And he kills his family in his house. And then later on, this dude, Gary Lutz, and his family move into that house. And, you know, supposedly all hell breaks loose, no pun intended. But when I was a kid and I watched Amityville Horror and that dad, you know, takes a sledgehammer to that wall inside the basement, and there's hell on the other side. As a God-fearing kid, God-fearing Baptist kid, <laughs> under the age of 10, that crap scared the, that, it scared the hell out of me, man. And I think that might have been it for me for horror. I think the Amityville Horror might have been the last one that I saw where I thought, that's it. I'm not watching anymore. I mean, the slashers were different, Nightmare on Elm Street, but the stuff about the devil coming to get you because it seemed like something you could, there's nothing you could do about it. The ridiculousness that um, that Jared mentioned earlier, Frankie, about like the car not starting, we forgot about the trope where the thing's walking slow. Whatever, Michael Myers is walking slow, Jason's walking slow, Freddy's just sitting in like, you know, a lawn chair, but somehow they always catch up to the people who are running at full speed. It's the tortoise in the hair, man. Tortoise in the hair. Yeah, I guess you're right. We were taught that story a long time ago. Yeah. Keep running, they still gonna get you. <laughs> well, there's, so I that, think, did you know that the, the Amityville Horror, uh, Ed and Lorraine, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, yeah. you, you know those names, right? Yeah. They actually, they went to the, the Amityville house and they, they, uh, they, they did a couple uh, investigations and uh and they caught a few things on on uh on camera there's 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 photos somewhere of the stuff that they caught so jared i'm gonna find those and text them to you no, at two in the morning no. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i will i'll say this like that was a legit those had legit impacts on me it changed the way i watched you know what movies i was ready to watch you know if friends wanted to go see a horror movie i was like bowing out to me, one of the horror movies for me was Deliverance. You know what I'm saying? Because like Ned Beatty's not a black dude. 
out in the middle of the woods. But those dudes that in the, the bad guys, for lack of a better phrase, in Deliverance, to me, that was a horror story. And I think I told you guys before, like my homeboy, um, you know, he had gotten me a ticket to go hike the enchantments with him for, for 10 days in, in, up in, in Washington. And I'm like, hell no. There's no way I'm going to be out hiking for 10 days. Now, my homeboy, Corey, he's in a, he's a Siksika Nation, American Indian, you know, wilderness superhero. Like, he does that stuff. But I was like, man, someone's going to find me. And he'd be just fine. But that's, but those kind of things are like what I take the story. It's like when you're talking about driving up, driving the back way somewhere. Man, I ain't doing that. If it's not a city, if it's not a paved road, I'm not on it. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like like I said, like I feel like it's a very like small minded perspective. And, and and I know it is, and I can't help but say it, but niggas don't like horror movies for that reason. It's just you got enough stress in your life. Being black is a horror movie. You don't need to go into a, a small room and heap more stress on you. I think I feel like that's the perspective <laughs> I see a lot of people sort of I can see why you want to watch, you know, Evil Dead versus Amityville horror, right? Because you want to have fun. You don't. You don't. You want to have. You want to see something that takes the takes the snot out of horror, right? That takes that takes a little bit of the of the pressure out of out of out of that out of that pressure situation. You don't want something that leans into it, kind of thing. Maybe. I think it's an oppressive system that keeps you afraid of a horror movie, y'all. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. You have to you have to liberate yourself and step into the horror movie because really. And I think we've talked about this before. Most horror movies take our ancestry, our ancestral beliefs, uh, and and they they villainize them, right? Through the through the the lens of a of a Catholic belief system, right? A Christian belief system. So most of this stuff, like you know, the villainization of, of voodoo or you know zombies or all this stuff that. That I'm, I don't know if our direct ancestors, but you know the ancestors of our people used to practice and believe in. Uh, it was it was all villainized for the sake of of, uh, of control. So all of that's connected. Stop being afraid of horror movies. Uh, they're keeping you from going out in the woods and finding some really good cheap property that you can cultivate land and live on. And uh, and uh, you know you can live with the spirits. Look, man, I don't really like horror movies. Like I love exploring ghosts and hauntings, right? Like, if somebody tell me something's haunted, I'm like, mm, let's take a ride. Let's go see. <laughs> How haunted is this, right? Because uh, because I think horror movies also, um, they, they evoke curiosity from us, right? A curiosity into the unknown. And once we start, and once we stop fearing that unknown, it, it doesn't have the same effect on us, you know? So, so... Free yourself, Jared. Both you, Jareds. Get free. Yeah, you know, maybe you get back into it. Give it another try. You know what I'm saying? So, other than that, that's a wrap on our Halloween episode. Um, and we won't be doing this again. Anyways, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of Youth and Minority. Say thank you and let everyone know um, out there that has been downloading our podcast that we appreciate you. And if you have a chance, um, please go to youthandminority.com and visit our website. You can also find us on Instagram at Newton Minority, Twitter at Newton Minority as well. So, Frank, is there a place that we can find you online? Yeah, you can find me at Bus Stop Profit on Instagram, 
uh, Facebook and all the social medias. And if you're into the horror stuff, you can find me on my other Instagram page called The Breakfast Chainsaw Massacre. Great title. Great, great title. What a great title. Jared, where can we find you at online, man? Uh, yeah, you can find me on the socials. Um, I'm uh, Jer- uh, Spaceman underscore Jarrett, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and also, uh, we should probably, should we mention that we're doing the, the Mandalorian stuff? Uh, coming up um, in the next few weeks, we are going to begin a bi-weekly on the Mandalorian. So anyone who's into Star Wars, um, the Star Wars lore, please go to our feed and you can find the Mandalorian. You'll be able to find our Mando show there. That's not necessarily what we're going to be calling it. That's just a title, a placeholder for the time being. So, anyways, we don't know what no. we're going to be calling it. Well, what, what was the name? What's the name you put on the I calendar? I said the Mando though. show. I didn't mean to, to necessarily say that. But anyways, no, you put some. You put something else. You put like something pup or what? Would you put on the on the on the calendar? It's called this, this is the way, but it's spelled W E Y. And with that, you know, my name is Jared Birdsong. Uh, for Frank Escamilla and for Jared Sam as well, we thank you and peace. Oh, all that funny got nothing to show.